0: Good morning. My name is uh, Greg Doty. I am one of the pastors at Annapolis EP Church in Annapolis, where I live, uh, and a friend of Patrick for many, many years. And he asked me to preach uh, this morning. And when he did so, I was delighted to be able to. Um, have some time to come and to be with all of you and to see uh, the fruit of his many years of labor and what God is doing here uh, in this particular part of the city. And so I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. We're going to talk about Matthew chapter 9 Uh, Verses 35 to 38. So if you have that, uh, it's in your bulletin or if you have your mobile device or electronic device or regular old paper, uh, feel free to follow along. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvests. Would you pray together with me? Father, we pray that you would take this word and open it up to us. Open it up so that we might understand it, open it up that we might be challenged and strengthened from it, that we might see your deep love for us and for your people, and that you might lead us more deeply to love you and to love your creation well, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. In Annapolis, we just got a new Chick-fil-A um, which has delighted my heart, my doctor not so much, but my heart has been delighted. And I noticed as I was driving out of the Chick-fil-A, there is a sign on the sidewalk and it caught my attention because it has a person who is walking doing this and the sign is there and it says, look up, you're getting ready to cross the street. And I thought, how bizarre that you have to have a sign in our day and age for people to walk across the street to get off of their phone. And the other day I was pulling through the drive through uh, raising my cholesterol, and I saw someone that was walking across the street that paid no attention because they were just absorbed in their phone. And a car almost hit them. And I was like, That's why you have the sign. Because what we tend to do is focus in on ourselves. It's natural. I think it's just, it's almost gravitational that as individuals, especially in our culture here in the United States, we tend to focus on ourselves. Even when we try to focus on other people, we tend to just kind of zoom in. And it's not just individuals that do that. It's also organizations that do that. It's also churches that do that. That churches over the years begin to start out with a great focus on reaching the city and reaching the neighborhoods with the gospel that sit around where they meet to worship. But over time, and we've seen this in in the church that I've served at for over a decade now in Annapolis, we've seen how we just begin to focus in on ourselves. And so our priorities, our budget, our staffing, everything that we do, about 15 years ago, we realized, wait a second, we're just focused on us not the 90-some the percent of people in Anne Arundel County where we live that never go to church, that have no concept even of who God is. And I think Jesus understands human nature. And he talks to his disciples and he challenges them as he is standing there in front of a great crowd of people. And he looks at them and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray that the Lord would send out laborers into his harvest. He's encouraging us to take our eyes off of ourselves and and what we're about and to focus on what he is about and taking the gospel to the nations. And he says, you do that because you have compassion. Compassion. If you look back at at the text with me at verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. If you're like me, when you look at the people in your your city or your community, uh, I look at at those that are around me and think, man, they just made bad decisions. They, they, They got what they deserve. They And I begin to make excuses. I don't have compassion for them. But Jesus is motivated by his compassion for the people that are around him because he sees them as the Father sees them, as God sees them, as sheep without a shepherd. And in our English version of the Bible, it actually hides um, some wordplay that Jesus uses here. The words that we have translated helpless and harassed are literally translated, if if it was done from what Jesus' hearers would have heard, flayed and beaten down. Flayed like a predator has come and taken its claw and ripped open a sheep. A sheep without a shepherd. And beaten down like an animal that's lying there and it cannot move because it's been so Broken. Jesus says that's what the world is like, and as he looks out over the world, he has compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd, and they've been flayed, they've been beaten, they're helpless, they're harassed, and he has compassion. I saw an amazing picture of what I think compassion begins to look like a few weeks ago when Hurricane, I think Harvey, there's too many of them. I can't keep track of them anymore. The one that hit Houston, where just everything flooded. And the waters rose so fast. And what did we see? We saw hundreds, maybe thousands of people with boats drive into Houston from Louisiana, Mississippi, Mississippi other parts of Texas. I, I, I watched it on TV and my reaction was, why would you want to live in Houston? <laughs> their reaction was, here are people that are stranded on their roof. They are helpless. There, there is nothing they can do. We can help. As you look at the city in which God has placed you, How do you view it? Do you view it with compassion? As those who are helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus is moved to to reach out to this community, to, to the world in which he lived, to which he came, because he had great compassion on them, and he has great compassion on us. And out of that, he says, look at the world as I do. Have compassion because the world is broken. It's hurting. It's helpless. They're looking for so many things. They're just grabbing at it to give them meaning and purpose and hope in life when the words of life are found in Christ and we have those words. And he's motivated by compassion to reach out with the gospel. And here's what Jesus does. If you look at verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. It's not just enough to have compassion. We can have, I can watch the news and people in the homes that are flooded or going through any kind of natural disaster and think, man, I've got real compassion for them. That stinks. I don't like that. But compassion does something about it. What did Jesus do? Jesus went. Jesus went. It astonishes me that Jesus, he had a great, from all the the accounts, he had an amazing ministry. He was incredibly popular, especially in in the middle years of his ministry, he was incredibly popular. He had thousands and thousands of people who were coming to see him. And if it was me that had this huge crowd coming, I would have just like put up a tent. I would have sold tickets. I would have turned into like this this Vegas type of show where I'm going to have a good run for six months here and people are going to come to me. I don't even need to go on tour anymore. But what did Jesus do? He went. He went to every town and every village. And those words there mean he went to places that were great. He went to Jerusalem. He went to the big cities around Israel. And he went to the places that were small and minuscule. To places where a Jew wasn't even supposed to go. And he met with thousands of people, and he fed them on the side of a hill. And he went to one woman at a well who had five husbands, and the man she was living with then wasn't her husband. And she was at the well at noon to avoid the public shame and humiliation of her life. And Jesus went to her. He went to every town, and he went to every village. And he proclaimed the gospel, and he healed every disease and every affliction. He went and he spoke the good news of what he was about, of what he was doing, of who he was. And he healed, he took care of their physical needs. And I think we, as we think about what does it look like as, as God calls us to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field, I believe that it is a call for us as the church to go, to go into this beautiful neighborhood here. I, I have a number of meetings, um, at least one a month or so with Patrick down the, down the street at the offices. I love coming up here. It's such a beautiful neighborhood that this church is located in. God calls us to go out into this neighborhood, to reach out to it, to share the good news of Jesus through our words and through what we do, that there is brokenness here. There is brokenness in the community in which I live. There's brokenness in the community in which you live. In word and in deed. To show the neighborhood, to show this city. We care for you. We care for the, the good of this city. Through word and deed. And the city may not, know, may not want to know those words unless they know that we're behind it, that we show it through our deeds. People often don't care what you know until they know that you care. I know that sounds kind of trite, maybe greeting cardish, but I think it's true. People don't care what you know unless they know that you care. The City Church, and I believe you do, I believe it's the heart of what this church is about. I've, I've seen it just walking in on the signs and the bulletin through your prayers that you love this city. It's a call to go out, not just to stay here in this building and worship and then like, OK, we're good. We're done. But to go from here and to go into where God has placed you. And as Jesus is standing around with the disciples and there's this great crowd that's around him and he's, he's got compassion on them and he says to the disciples, do you, do you see them? Guys, do you see those around you? They're helpless. They're harassed. They're like sheep without a shepherd. At the end he says, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray earnestly that God would send laborers out. And sometimes when we hear that, maybe that's not the first time you've heard that, uh, that verse or you've heard God uh, say, you know, pray that God would send people out to the mission field. And we can just kind of get lost in that, right? Like, okay, God, I pray that you would send someone else to the mission field. Amen. I want to try to give you another picture of something that you can pray for, something that might be a little more tangible. I want to encourage you as a church to pray for 99 and 1. 99 and 1. Pray that God would send 99% of city church into local missions. 99% of you would go out from here and be actively engaged in word and deed ministry so that the gospel might be taken to this city. Pray that God would send 99% of you Because every single person who is a believer in Christ is called to be a missionary. They are. And it's not this curse that you get if you become a believer in Jesus. It's a privilege that you have. As you have the word of life that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. That you can be forgiven. That you are brought back into a right relationship with God. That the creator of the universe and you are in relationship with one another. And that when God looks at you, he sees the perfection of Jesus in your place. And he looks at you and he smiles. And he says, "That's, that's my son, that's my daughter. And out of that... You have the privilege of telling other people about that goodness and about the grace and the mercy that you have, been, that you have uh, been given in Christ. And if you're sitting here, you're like 99%, sweet, I can be the 1%. That'd be awesome. I'd love for you to be the 1% because you might be thinking, oh, that 1%, we don't have to do anything, right? Wrong. Pray that God would raise up 1% of city church to serve in foreign missions. Pray that God would send 1% of your church body to serve somewhere else in the world. Our denomination, um, the Presbyterian Church in America, we have a mission agency. It's called Mission to the World. And we have a campaign that's called the 1% Campaign. We are praying over the next 10 years that God would raise up 1%, that churches would tithe 1% of their membership into foreign missions. And so when we, as a denomination, started that uh, prayer about uh, a little less than two years ago, I began to pray that. God, I would pray that you would send 1% of Annapolis EP into foreign missions. In which God said, to us as a family you're one and we went no 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 no. you didn't hear my prayer right god i prayed that you would send them and he put it on our hearts and said i'm calling you to go and serve and god has called us as a family to serve in edinburgh scotland where less than uh, it's less than 2%, but I, I, it's closer to 1% of the, of the country considers themselves an evangelical believer. A country of almost 5.5 million people. There is a greater percentage of evangelical believers in Japan and China than there are in Scotland. And if you know anything about Presbyterian history, it's the birthplace of Presbyterianism. It was the hotbed of the Protestant Reformation that now is helpless and harassed. And God said to our family, go. And we said for a while, no, we're good. And then God said, no, you need to go. Go. And so we're in the process of making that happen, and God has been very gracious and good to us in, in that. But it's something to pray, it's something to be praying for, for 99 and 1. And you might be thinking, because, well, maybe you're like me, maybe you're not, uh, but I, every time I've heard this in the past and been challenged with it, I think to myself, Yeah, but you don't know me. You're you're correct. I don't know any of you. But I do know this, that God doesn't call us to this without equipping us to this. God equips those whom he has called and as he has called the church to go to take the gospel to wherever we live or even to the ends of the earth. He equips us, and he equips us not by you going to seminary, not by you going to all kinds of Bible studies and classes and getting training on evangelism. None of those things are bad. As somebody who's been there, done that, those are good things. All God requires of us to share the gospel is to know our own brokenness and to share that with the world, to know that you are a beggar. I'll tell a great uh, story of a friend of mine. I think it's a great story, Um, a gentleman named Jean-Francois Leroux III, Um, he's Cajun, if you aren't sure. Um, He's from Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Uh, Jean was a pastor in the PCA. He was offered a uh, senior pastor position at one of the largest, most prestigious churches in our denomination. And the week he was offered that job, Hurricane Katrina hit. Hurricane Katrina wiped out Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. And when I say wiped out, I mean, whew, there was nothing but slabs of homes left from the beach four miles inland. And Jean LaRue said, I, I, I can't take this job. I have to go home. Because there, there are people there that need the church to step up. For their lives to be put back together, and I'm going to go there and I want to plant a church. And so he left his wife and his family back where he was in Tennessee, and he and a couple of his friends moved to Bay St. Louis and lived in a tent to begin the recovery efforts. And if you know anything about Southern Mississippi, even in the winter, it's hot and sticky. He was there in the late summer, and he's living in a tent. In a place where there's no electricity, there's very little food coming in. He's like, for a month, we ate Vienna sausages in a can, canned tuna, canned chicken, potato chips in a bag, and bottled water, three meals a day. We would wake up, canned tuna, woo and then we'd have potato chips for breakfast and bottled water because that's all we had. We would go, we would muck out houses where it's a bajillion degrees, we would go back to our tent after you know, 10, 12-hour days of work, eat canned tuna, this, this, and this. And we did that for a month. And then one day, we're walking down the street to where our tent is, and there's a gentleman walking towards us, and he has a styrofoam container. And he said, we just, he was walking towards us, and we met him, and, and we just came right up to him, and we all stopped, and they just looked and said, What is that? And the gentleman opened the container and the steam began to pour out. Roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy, green beans, and a yeast roll with butter. And he's like, you could just smell the yeast roll. And we all looked up as one and we said, where? And the gentleman pointed the direction from which he had come and said the baptists are feeding people just right down there and we ran and were fed c.s lewis says that a missionary is simply a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread you have the bread of life that's been given to you in jesus You have him. Let the aroma of Jesus pour off of you into the city in which God has called you to live so that other people simply come to you and say, where? And you point them to Jesus simply as a beggar telling other beggars where to find bread That's all you need. You don't need a fancy degree. You don't need apologetics courses. Those are good. Take them if you can. But simply be a beggar. Telling other beggars where you have found bread. And in the person of Jesus. Let me pray for us.